never worried that you might be the cool kid You wear the latest fashions on top of all the trends Or have you ever worried you were too much in the mainstream Always so generic, more normal than your friends Well, we've devised a test to put to rest your fears There's no need to panic if you lend us your ears Tonight you can't sleep easy after all that you've heard Cause if you like the show, then you're probably a nerd Hello, everyone. Hello on this beautiful, fucked up Sunday. Original air date, May 31st. Here I am. You're listening to the It's Canon Podcast. I am your host. I am Boris. And this week, I am joined by the one, the only, the magnificent Phil. Hey, everybody. How you doing? Thank you for that lovely introduction, Boris. You're welcome, Phil. Anytime, Phil. <laughs> How's your week been, my friend? This week has been a really weird week. Um, it's been really weird. Well, you know, I think it's we should address the elephant in the room before we really get started. Yeah. And, you know, as I go off and I talk about this, you know... This is 100% my personal feelings. I can't speak for Phil. If Phil wants to speak for himself, he can. Um, But this is just kind of how I feel about things. I don't want to get too deep into it just just yet. But at the same time, I don't want to pretend that nothing is happening in this world. I don't want to pretend that everything is hunky-dory, that everything is fine, that everything is awesome. I don't want to, you know... Also, at the same time, I don't want to make anything seem less than it really is because what's going on right now in the world is absolutely devastating, for lack of a better word. Um, On Friday morning, throughout Friday, I was, you know, I was just down the entire day. All week I've been down. But on Friday, I just felt like, you know, this is now at a situation, you know, we're past the point of no return. It's all or nothing at this point. And obviously, you know, what I'm talking about is the the protesting that has been happening, not only in America, not only in Canada, but honestly, everywhere around the world, this has been happening. Um, You know, for Europe and other places uh, outside of North America to hear about what's going on in the States and the reason why things are happening, it's, I'm not going to say it's unheard of, but it's not normal, everyday news cycle type thing out in Europe and other places. So the fact that they're not only hearing this news and reacting to it as well, you know, just shows you that, hey, maybe there's a problem going on in America. Maybe there's a systemic issue actually happening. Maybe some people are actually past their boiling point and want to be heard. So... You know, obviously, what I'm talking about is all of the 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 protests during 
the protesters, the protesting that's happening in the States, all caused because, you know, there is a systemic issue in the United States, whether you want to admit it or not, uh, with, you know, how people view minorities, how those in power want to treat those minorities, and essentially, you know, police brutality. You know, I've been trying to wrap my head around how I'm going to talk about this, and honestly, if you don't like what I'm listening, or if you don't like what you're listening to right now, if you're angry with me, you can unsubscribe. I'm okay with that. So I'm not going to sugarcoat things here. I'm not here to, um, you know, play off and pretend that everything is perfect. There are real issues. Some of the things that Phil and I talk about are actual real issues. Um, and, you know, this is one of those things that I just need to get off my chest, um, you know. America is broken. America has been broken. This is not a new issue. You know, year over year over year, we've seen this brutality happen to minorities. You know, the LA riots in the early 90s, um, you know, come to mind in my own lifetime. I was a child back then. The LA riots happened. And that opened my eyes to, hey, this world is pretty fucked up. This world isn't as perfect as everyone thinks it is. You know, and over the years, we've seen more and more happen. And we've allowed more and more to happen. That is why the police now think that it's okay to do whatever it is that they're doing to minorities. You know, and what it is they're doing, they're killing minorities. They're actually killing minorities. And we've accepted this as a society. You know, we've we've been angry we've been talking about this more and more, but it's still nothing has changed. You know, Colin Kaepernick has gone as far as to kneeling during the American anthem, and people were more pissed off at the fact that he was kneeling over the, the reason why he was kneeling. People wouldn't listen. People wouldn't listen, you know, any time that any black child was murdered by a police. No one listened. No one ever listened. It's at its tipping point. We've accepted for so long and minorities are just angry, pissed off, and they want to be heard. Equal rights doesn't mean that we're going to be taking any rights away from anyone else. Equal rights is equal rights. Just because a minority is going to get the same rights as a white person does not mean that that white person is going to have less rights. At the end of the day, everyone just wants to be treated equal, but we live in a society, in a system that doesn't allow for that, and people are fucking pissed off, and that's what's happening right now in the world, and like I said, I don't want to turn a blind eye and pretend that it's not actually happening, that everything is fine, that everything is awesome, because the truth of the matter is that it, things aren't awesome. Like I said... If me talking like this is angering you to the point that you want change, good for you. Go out and change. There's there, there's so many things that and, and ways that you can help. Online, there are so many uh, funds for protesters. You know, even protesters that are getting arrested, they're creating this pot of money that will help them get legal representation. Um, you know, give back to the communities, to those communities that are being most affected. This is a much bigger issue than just me and Phil and other people. This is a global issue at this point. And it's a systemic issue that we've let gone on too far. And, yeah. you know, I just hope that at the end of the day, people just open their eyes and advocate for this change 
and that we are able to make these changes because the world, it cannot continue the way that it is right now. We are at a breaking point right now. We are at the point of civil unrest. We need change. Yep. We need that change today. Hey, uh, just briefly, I know we're here to talk about our geek stuff and, and all the things that we enjoy, but just to acknowledge what's going on in the world, broke my heart to see the video uh, this week, um, multiple videos of people being discriminated against and, and losing their life. It was very upsetting. And yeah, I just feel like the world is poised to change. And it's just incredible to think this is all happening right now. And it's incredible to think that's happening during a pandemic, which I think is largely being overlooked but could potentially be part of a problem for everybody too, because I look at these crowds and I worry about what the doctors and everybody tell us too, and about further loss of life or impacts that that may have. Um, but it really speaks to people's frustration and I sympathize with them. Um, I really hope that this issue gets resolved in a peaceful way, but I completely understand people getting this upset because it's serious. It's, it's being ignored and, and acknowledged and ignored for a long time. And <clears throat> yeah, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm shocked personally. Every, every day that I turn on the news, uh, every morning that I see what happened in the night before is just further evidence of people's frustration and their right to feel that way. So I hope that it all ends soon and we get the results of equality that are just, it's just absolutely amazing to think that in this world, this situation exists for all those people. So that's all I'll say on that one. I don't want to get too political or controversial, uh, controversial about it. Um, and yeah, yeah, it's yeah. just really sad. It is. It is. At the end of the day, it's really sad. And I'm not advocating for violence. I'm not advocating for people to go out and burn their cities down. I'm just trying to say that I understand it. I understand why they're doing yeah. it. And on that note, I think uh, before we start with the rest of the show, we're going to take a very quick pause, you know, to reset ourselves, to reset the mood. And then when we come back, we will be talking about all things, everything on the It's Canon podcast. Hey, everyone, and welcome back to the It's Canon podcast. As always... I'm your host, I am Boris, and like I mentioned earlier this week, I am joined by Phil. Hello, hello. On this week's show, we will be talking about all things, everything, but specifically, we're going to be talking about the news, we're going to be talking about the Snyder Cut, the possible Air Cut, we're going to talk about why they're even thinking of doing this, and how they can actually make a movie worse than it originally was. <laughs> Go figure. We're also going to be chatting about ai artificial intelligence and how that is actually changing the world we've seen a lot of examples of this throughout even this week alone on social media and you know we're gonna get really deep and um we're gonna have a fantastic conversation about that so before we go any further phil how are you how has uh you know your geek been going this week hey another video game down finished uh Call of Duty Modern Warfare. That is an absolute hog on the hard drive, so I was happy to finish and delete that son of a gun. And um, other than that, you know, uh, there's been a lot of great news into some of my niche 
markets, which would be uh, Jim Henson and Muppets. And uh, just to, to break it here, because last night it was confirmed as official by Jim Henson Company that uh, there is going to be a Labyrinth 2 directed by the director who did Doctor Strange. He, he apparently refused, uh, opted out of doing Doctor Strange 2 due to creative differences. And he's going to be working with Brian Henson and Lisa Henson, I believe, or Cheryl Henson, one of, two of the kids uh, who are still all involved the three kids are all involved with the Henson Company, and uh, they just recently finished up their project with uh, Dark Crystal Age of Resistance. And it looks like uh, puppetry through that show and through The Mandalorian, because as we're seeing in the Disney gallery, uh, Yoda is an actual puppet. Yeah, He's an actual physical entity. It's not just a CG thing. And I think practical photography is really making a big comeback, and I think that bodes well for the industry of of puppeteering. As well, additionally, the Fraggles were announced as a full-time TV show. They will be opting a full season for Apple TV subscribers. Um, so that is really great news uh, for all of us nostalgic geeks and people with kids and whatnot, because that show was way ahead of its time. In terms of the interconnectivity of the universe, uh, a lot of the messaging in it, very dear to Jim Henson's heart, and um, it really is a gem. If you're not, uh, if you're not aware of the Fraggles, I, I highly recommend checking it out on your Amazon Prime in Canada. I think it's on HBO in the states, and um, yeah, give it a watch, and especially if you have little ones, um, it's it's a fun time. It's great seeing the reboot, and they're doing it in quarantine. It's all being filmed on the iPhone. It's iPhone 11 filming with the puppeteers at home. And it's just been great to see the actual characters realized again, even though some of the original puppeteers have passed away uh, or are no longer doing that work, like Steve Whitmire. Um, but they seem to have really great character uh, uh, replacements in in terms of they they get the voices bang on they get the characters of the fraggles from the original show and it's just been a pleasure to see all that and i'm 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 extremely excited about where this could all lead yeah. you know are we talking dark crystal sequels like this is actually becoming a viable thing outside of disney yeah which is i think for me is probably more important at this point because disney don't seem to be managing their Muppets very well, but they did announce that they are bringing out a new show for the Muppets that's going to be coming out, I believe, this summer um, about uh, an unscripted Muppets kind of show. So we'll see what happens. I hope these properties get more exposure because uh, I grew up with them, as I think a lot of us did. Sesame Street, The Muppet Show, uh, Dark Crystal, all that stuff. And it's great to see it again, and it's great to share those stories. And it's such a wonderful, ahead-of-its-time world that was being seen by Jim Henson and the other puppeteers. Boris, yeah. your thoughts? That, well, that's one of the things that I really wanted to bring up was the whole practical um, CGI versus the more practical approach that we have seen in The Mandalorian. And I think that it's really cool that we are seeing the more practical photography, the more practical filming uh, as it pertains to some of these uh, franchises. Uh, and what I, you know, and I think the main reason for that is that, you know, I think we're all tired of seeing the CGI heavy movie after the prequel 
series, it was just way too much. Like I mentioned in a few ep- a few episodes ago, it's a lot harder to even pay attention to what's going on. It's a lot harder to take the scenes seriously. Nothing to me, um, you know, rings louder than that scene in um, Attack of the Clones when Anakin and Padme are having dinner or whatever the hell they're doing. And <laughs> not only was the scripting horrible, but the CGI in that scene was absolutely ludicrous and ridiculous. I think of The Mummy 2 with The Rock, you know, the Scorpion King. And, you know, they must have just completely ran out of money by that point. Um, and it just, you know, it could take a great movie and make it really bad but and it's also you know it goes back to the art of filmmaking i feel like there's a real art being able to interact with someone there even if it's a puppet i think that even uh just the overall experience to look and feel you know the having practical sets having practical puppets is just a lot more intriguing to me than a cgi heavy world a cgi heavy experience which is why as beautiful as avatar this is like my fifth reference of to avatar in the past <laughs> uh few episodes but you know as as beautiful as that movie was in 3d you know it just it just just it's might as well just make a animated movie it's i don't know that this it's personal. it's a little bit of that uncanny valley yeah. You know, where the characters, their eyelines, whatever it is, there's always something just a little bit off to our perception. But I think with the with the Disney Plus or with the Disney Gallery show, in watching how they're dealing with doing practical photography now, first of all, the directors feel like they've got their art form back. Yeah. Uh, secondly, they're able to, all the characters in the show are able to react to the same thing instead of having to imagine it exactly. and react to it. And then thirdly, it's helping a lot with lighting. And this is something that maybe for the casual viewer, you don't really realize. But CG effects and and green screen or blue screen or whatever color screen they're using this week, those things are really hard to get lighting down. Lighting looks off. And that's kind of that uncanny valley for us all. We look at it and we go, something's not right. You know, in our subconscious or whatever, or even out loud, whatever it is, you go, that makes me feel weird. I don't know if I like it. And it's usually the lighting. Something's off between the foreground lighting and the background lighting because some guy has to sit in the studio, God love them, uh, and do this post-production edition CGI thing and try to light it. And I don't know that that guy or that person knows what the heck they're doing with that and then there's some director comes along and goes yeah yeah that's okay let's do that you know it's an achievement in one way but i think maybe we should stick to our strengths and and this this mandalorian kind of soundstage where you know the volume they call it where it's all lcd screens around them 360 and an lcd screen on the ceiling and using the unreal engine they're able to real-time render graphics that people are interacting with and creating these environments and using real practical dirt and 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 effects to uh, uh articulate what's going on like you know like everything's real as yeah. far as they're concerned or that environment completely fools the actors and the production team so all that's really great i think that that is the future 
And it means that people are still involved and it's not just driven by computers. We'll talk about that later. Ooh, good one. I like that. <laughs> yeah, like at the end of the I'm a fan of the practical, um, you know, and, and, and it just, to me, it just looks more natural. You get a better reaction from everyone. You brought up a great point when you mentioned that, you know, every actor has a different reaction and then when you put the scene together it just doesn't flow the way that it actually should versus you know how it actually should be um so that's that uh the other thing i wanted to talk bring up and kind of chat about is you know something we didn't talk about last week because uh, we had a pretty um you know again heavy agenda uh, but i wanted to talk about the Zack Snyder cut of <laughs> Justice League. You know, the fans have been clamoring for it. The fans have asked for it. Even Zack Snyder himself asked for it. You know, if you don't know the full story, Zack Snyder left uh, Justice League in the middle of uh, production um, uh, because of personal family issues. And they ended up bringing, bringing in Joss Sweden, who, you know, essentially made it his own movie. He is pretty much butchered for lack of a better word uh the original cut and the basically what we saw in the theater wasn't the original tension of the movie uh so essentially since the movie got lackluster reviews lackluster or fan reception people have been asking hey i wonder what the Zack snyder uh cut would look like i wonder what his vision actually is for this movie so since the movie uh, was released back in 2017 people have been just asking hey what i wonder what what if what if what if it's the ultimate marvel what if scenario in the dc world what if <laughs> Zack snyder actually finished his movie so after years and years and years of of um of asking and talking about it uh wb warner brothers did announce a few weeks ago via hbo max their new streaming service that we are going to get the Zack Snyder cut. Now, we don't know what exactly this means. The information that we do know is that all primary shooting is completed. There will be no reshoots as far as Dave said. So everything has been shot, but they're still working on CGI, fixing whatever they have, using the old footage. Uh, for example, we're actually going to see Dark Side in this cut. Um, which, you know, years ago, I remember seeing the rumors and see that he would be making an appearance because they wanted him to be the Thanos of the DC Extended Universe. So, you know, take that info for what it is. Here we are. Um, and we're going to get the, the Zack Snyder cut. I don't know if it's going to be a movie. I don't know if it's going to be a multi-part thing. But they said they have as much as six hours of actual film uh, that they can use to tell the entire story from getting to end. So I don't know if it's going to be a limited series. I don't know exactly what this is going to be, but we are going to get this Justice League Zack Snyder cut. Now, that's the news. But this is kind of where I wanted to take things and kind of get Phil's thoughts and, and um, even your thoughts. Yeah, let's bounce listeners. this around here. What does it mean? Exactly. What does all of this mean? Does this mean that I, when I go I... watch a movie... And I'm upset, and I know that there was some difference, you know, creatively among the creatives, among the director and the powers that be, among a producer and the director, among folks on that side. 
Um, does that mean that as a fan, I now can start a Twitter petition and ask for the new cut to a movie? Just remember, there's no guarantee that this movie's even going to be good. It wasn't good the first time around. What's to say it's going to be good the second time around? So, you know, I, I just, to me, it's, it's kind of funny. It's a ballsy move because there is a chance that people aren't going to take kind to this cut. Um, you know, everyone's saying this is the definitive cut. This is going to be amazing. This being the Zack Snyder cut. But, you know, I just I just don't know. And we're seeing also um, in online that people are asking David Ayer for his cut of mm-hmm. Suicide Squad. Suicide Squad. Yeah. You know, I saw that. I I think this is a really, really dangerous place. I, I'm in one in one part of me. I'm really happy for all the DC movie fans. Because I think Joss Whedon went in there and basically made a Marvel movie, which didn't fit the DC universe. He tried to put comedy. He didn't really, I don't think he had a great understanding of the characters or where Zack Snyder would have taken it. I totally get the fans being upset about not possibly getting the movie that they should have, uh, uh, the movie they were promised. Um, That being said, this is really dangerous because... I, I really hate that Warner Brothers has given in, and it really comes down to trying to get people to buy into another, I'm going to use language here, a bullshit streaming service, because that thing's like 16 bucks American a month. It's not even available in Canada, by the way. Um, so we get it through Crave TV. Uh, so we're lucky that way. We're not paying extra. They're already hosing us for for other crap. Well, to but, pause, hold on. To pause you there, we kind of are paying extra for HBO Max content. Um, a lot of the HBO Max content you're gonna need to have the Crave subscription, which is nine ninety nine plus the HBO subscription. That's yeah. another additional ten dollars. So, yeah, it's twenty bucks a month to yeah. to get access to that stuff. Yeah, and ahead. I'm okay with that because I guess. For me personally, I already buy it because that's the way I'm consuming a lot of, you know, newer movies uh, because the streaming services seem to be a little bit slower at the adoption. And I find that there's enough content on there due to Canadian rules about streaming and whatnot and, and licensing rights that it justifies it. But I really feel bad having to. It's, it's like a bait and switch, man. It's like HBO come out and that news was like huge, right? It rocked the world about Zack Snyder, the Snyder cut. And and everybody, you could almost feel everybody just plunking down their 20 bucks a month to to this HBO service. And then it's like, well, it'll be out like sometime. And it might be a show. It might be a movie. We don't know. Like, you know, I just feel like, it's exploiting the fan base and I worry about the precedent that it sends and where companies like Disney are going to go with it. Like, do they re-release uh, last Jedi or rise of the Skywalker, the, the Abrams cut like, well, and then what's Canon? What's not like they've got this whole other mess with the fan base as well. What's the real justice league? Is it the movie or is it the Snyder cut? You know, where, where are you founding? future dc content is it off of that darker snyder cut or is it going towards the kind of fluffy pain in the ass world that they created with the existing justice league and where the hell is ryan reynolds as green lantern like you know i 
it's just a confusing place that DC's in. I really feel bad for the movie franchises because there are times when I start catching on to it and just really liking it. Yeah. And then I go and I watch something from Marvel that's 23 movies into a series and I'm immediately up to speed and I go, holy shit, they did that right. Yeah. Like, like as much as you can like it or not like it, whatever, that's, that's up to people to choose. But as a casual fan of that kind of stuff, I look at Marvel stuff and I go, holy shit, they got it right. Which pains me when I see what they're doing with Star Wars in some sense. <laughs> like, the movie franchise is a mess. Thank God for Mandalorian and other exploits. Yeah. The issue is everyone is trying to replicate a world now, the way that Marvel has. But people forget that Marvel took 23 movies to create said world. It took... Four years to even get to the point where we could have one Avengers movie. You know, it, it took a really long time to get to that point, and they built out their world little by little. Whereas now, um, even in Star Wars, they're just trying to throw everything and the kitchen sink at us all at once, and trying to have us soak up so much to create this, this you know, grand world and and this continuity. And then on the DC side, you know, with Man of Steel, you know the. There's a chance that they didn't even intend for that to be the kickoff of the DCEU. Uh, so, again, <laughs> just shoehorning stuff to make it all, quote-unquote, make sense. Um, though, and, you know, it, it, it's overall hurting them. The one out that DC has, the one out that DC has, is that, you know, in their comic books, they heavily rely on this multiverse, you know, with various mm -hmm. Earths. Um, and for those of you who have seen, you know, the Crisis of Infinite Earths on CW, know that, you know, all of these representations of characters can and do live within one realm, including the DCEU. We know the DCEU and the CW shows how are connected in some shape, way, or form through this multiverse because we did see the Flash from the DCEU make a quick appearance in the CW um shows so we know that all of this is together in some grand multiverse so they have an out in many ways and yeah. this is something that uh tyler kyle and myself talked about years ago about how are they going to do this how are they going to connect all of their shows with their movies and and kind of create this multiverse and you know unfortunately it's the tv shows that have had to carry the weight of dc programming on their back you know so they have an out um, you know, when just speaking to that, think about in Marvel's universe, the launch of 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 the whole Marvel thing was actually the Incredible Hulk when they when when they got the rights to Incredible Hulk from Sony, which yeah. were making a train wreck out of that franchise. That movie didn't really feel like the Marvel universe, but there's a scene at the end where Robert Downey Jr. kind of comes in, and I'm talking about two hours of of pretty well acted edward, edward norton and Liv tyler and all these you know pretty good actors it was it was filmed here in toronto is it was, it was it was an okay movie it wasn't my favorite but the payoff was like you know for the eu that they're creating was like 20 seconds of screen time and that's that's a testament to the slow methodical build that they're doing and interlinking and the oversight and the, the, the thought process that goes into it. And that's where I feel Star Wars falls short, just like you were saying. Uh, and that's where I feel DC 
has missed all uh, the boat in those major movies is just that inner linking and that connectiveness just seems to be right like not even there it should be this these are huge franchises huge franchises batman superman everybody knows them you know aquaman you know where does he poop it's just we all know it it's all part of pop culture it's all part of of the fabric of us growing up and i just find it so challenging to see them struggle with it warner brothers i don't know where the blame lies but I just know that there's some incredible storytelling that happens in those comics and these characters are really dear to a lot of people and they should get better service than what they're getting. Yeah. And I'm not saying that Marvel is the answer. I'll put the asterisks there. I know some people hate what Marvel are doing and that's fine. You can, but the box office tells us two different stories here. Yeah, there's exactly the box office does tell a whole story. Uh, and you know, the funny part is is that the entire Marvel Cinematic Universe was kind of a joke. Jo even John Favreau says that, you know, his scene with Nick Fury at the end of Iron Man was there just kind of like as a placeholder, like a joke. Um, kind of, they didn't really intend too much out of it, but clearly, you know, they kind hey, of kept going when the it. box office ticker came in yeah. and Iron Man was a hit. Guess what? They bought in. They exactly. Disney went. Hey, we're all in now. Let's let's go. Let's make an Iron Man two. Uh, what else can we use? You know, at that point, you're looking at the catalog of what you bought. You only spent four billion dollars on it. You know, which sounds like an outrageous amount of money, but and they're just looking at it, going, okay, so we can't touch the X Men. We can't touch Fantastic Four. We can't touch Spider Man. But everything else is ours. Yeah. You know, it's it's incredible. And it's it, incredible. It was a great. It's incredible when you actually look at the fact that they had these, you know, at the time, BC-level uh, heroes to choose from. Who the fuck heard of Guardians of the Galaxy before the movie? Yeah. You know? Exactly. Um, and now the characters that have been appearing on the MCU, they're the ones who are Marvel now. You know, unfortunately, Fantastic Four, X-Men, they're not what they used to be because of the force that the MCU is. Also, if you take a look at comic sales... You know, any time that there's a movie coming out, those characters who might not be selling the best and have a movie coming out, as soon as that movie is announced, you'll see that the sales of their comic books just go through the roof. I remember before Guardians of the Galaxy was coming out, um, I went to a comic book shop, not going to say where, it's probably closed by now, hopefully it's closed by now, and this guy tried to me like a de destroyed copy of the first appearance of the Guardians of the Galaxy for like 200 bucks. That markup was insane, but that just goes to show you that, you know, that what happens when Marvel takes over and, of, and say, okay, we're going to make a movie of, for if, you know, Guardians of the Galaxy. Who's heard of them? No one. But then, you know, these comic enthusiasts then can see, all they see is dollar signs in their eyes. But my point here is that, you know, Marvel has been able to do a great job of taking these BC level uh, heroes and really turning them into a level heroes um that now essentially they are running marvel uh you know but now that marvel has con more control of their mcu with 
Fantastic Four with X-Men, you know, I'm, I'm sure that there's going to be a lot of screen time for everyone, a lot of comic book time for everyone and whatnot. So we'll see what happens. I just think that it's really cool. Another thing I want to talk about, and, you know, we kind of hinted at it, it was a whole streaming service thing. I know that we have an episode about streaming services, but, you know, that episode was released March of 2019. Since then, we've had ESPN Plus, we've had Disney Plus, we've had the full acquisition of Hulu for Disney, we've had HBO Max come out, we've had countless other streaming services come out already. CBS, yep, NBC, CBS, Peacock, Texas, NBC, or something. Peacock. There's there's a bunch, man. There's yep. a bunch. There's there's a lot. There's a lot. Everyone is everyone and their mother is gonna have a streaming service. At what point, you know, earlier in the week, I did put up a poll um, in, on our Twitter, at It's Canon Podcast, and I said, are there too many streaming services? Phil, can you guess what the results were? I would say it's probably pretty heavily lopsided towards a yes. <laughs> can you guess? Well, you're correct. But can you guess just how lopsided? I've never seen anything like this. I'll post oh, this it, I, I would be surprised if one person said no. <laughs> That's exactly it. 100% of people said, yes, there are too many streaming services out there right now. Isn't it yeah, crazy? It, it's nuts. And it's not only, you know what, I'll broaden the scope here a little bit too, just for the topic. It's not only television. It's everything. Like, do you want unlimited marvel comics then you need to subscribe to marvel unlimited if you do you want you know uh, your your watch on your thing do you want better health do you want better fitbit subscribe to our premium service do you want to be able to meditate subscribe to calm uh, everything yeah. spotify every single aspect of our life is being paid out at like 10 to 20 dollars a month and then you add all that up and Oh, you want you want to play video games with your friends? I'll get Xbox Live Gold. Uh, oh, you're you're Sony guy? Get the Sony service. It is absolutely overwhelming. Not only in the quantity of content, but just in the price point and how titles are being squirreled away into certain services as well. Yes, And I just found it was really insulting. You know, it, when, when the world was just Netflix, shit went on Netflix and we watched it and then it went off Netflix. Now Netflix has done a great job in creating their own brands and trying to get stuff for those limited windows or whatever the, the, the licensing deals are. But when I look at like HBO Max, they're trying to put all of the Big Bang Theory because that's owned by Warner Brothers, which is HBO. It just gets annoying. Like, it, it, they, they brand with the shows that probably, and this is to the casual fan, all right? Even Boris's rant earlier about, or his, his, his summation of, of the Marvel Universe. It's great for the casual fan. You know, like, that's what really sells Marvel. But that's what sells stuff like the Big Bang Theory and these HBO things. It isn't DC fans, fans flocking to watch Zack Snyder show. It isn't Star Wars fans that are flocking to Disney Plus so much as, as every all the other content things that they heavily identify with, like The Simpsons and, and things like that, those acquisitions. And it's just maddening to me as a consumer, as a person, to see how exploitive these services have become to our wallets and to 
our psyche because they're controlling the programming and they're they're just it's just dirty for like the 10 bucks and hoping that you forget that you're subscribed to it so a year later holy shit i've i I haven't watched that in three months four months and you've been paying for it all along well there's to that point there's a lot to decompress there and i kind of want to touch on a few things uh, to your last point, Netflix has announced that they will be going through inactive accounts and closing those account, accounts down. So people who in, like, have been paying into Netflix for so many months, maybe they you know purchased it for one specific show or you know for a specific time period, and they just forgot about it. They're still being charged. I don't know how people don't know what they're paying for, but it happens. Netflix will go out and go in and swoop and close a bunch of accounts. You will get an email notification. So good on Netflix on that point. Um, hopefully other companies can do this and hopefully, you know, it would be really cool if this becomes a policy somewhere, um, um, you know, within these streaming services to do such a thing for the consumer. Um, the other thing that I wanted to touch on here was the whole exclusivity of things. Um, in over the past few months, many months, I should say, even maybe even years, anytime I think of a show. I sometimes want to watch a show. I have to actually think about what streaming service is this thing on? And I actually have to Google search this. And, you know, it's just crazy that that's how I am now consuming um, content. It's just crazy the amount of money that I pour into streaming services. And I've actually done the math. And I'm just like, holy crap, this is so much more than cable. The whole point of streaming services, you know, in the around 2000, even 10 to 15 was the fact that people could cut the cord. But now cutting the cord is becoming so much more expensive. Um, and it's to the point now because, you know, you may only be able to watch one or two shows per streaming service because everyone has their own streaming service. So it's to the point now where what's the point of purchasing said streaming service? I know a lot of people... Uh, on message boards and, and Facebook groups who were pissed off and upset when Disney Plus came out because of The Mandalorian um, and how that was a Disney Plus exclusive. And a lot of people went to torrenting that show. So one of the things that I was taking a look at was how many people are actually torrenting shows. And believe it or not, no shock to me, but the illegal torrenting, illegal means of getting a show has risen over the past few years as streaming services are expanding and the exclusivity deals are being enforced. So rather than actually companies actually getting money from people, people are going back to torrenting, back to streaming, illegal streaming sites and, you know, their Android boxes and whatever it is that people do. Um, so it's just interesting to me, it's no surprise, but it's interesting to actually talk about the fact that, hey, People are now finding their own ways of watching things because it's so hard to find what you actually want to watch and think of, hey, I want to watch, um, you know, show X, but show X is only available on this streaming service. This streaming service is only available in the States. How can I watch show X? I'm going to have to download it. So, you know, it's just really interesting to watch, you know, to, to see this actually happening because the... We're, I feel like we're getting the opposite results of what everyone was talking about for the past few years in regards to cutting the cord. Yeah, people are still cutting the cord and they're choosing what streaming services to watch. But those people who want to consume more than the average person want to, you know, um, watch what they 
typically watch on TV, it's just becoming that much harder, and you have to pick and choose specific streaming services, or if you want all them all, it's going to cost you so much more than cable actually does. Bill? Now, interesting point that you brought up about Netflix doing that, that kind of deactivation. I think that this highlights a real issue, and that is that the government regulatory bodies are not keeping up with the technology. Technology is moving way faster than governments can react on this front because this should be mandated by the FCC or whatever regulatory committee there is. I know in Canada it's a CRTC. That content and those subscriptions should be overseen and managed by government, like by rules and regulations. We need to protect people because this feels like the Wild West in terms of everybody's just after your wallet right and that that's really what it is and and to have a lot of this content being shopped around and traded around like it, it's confusing in canada just for everybody else um here in canada just like boris said we don't have hulu we don't have hbo max we don't have you know even our netflix is different than the states all of our digital streaming content is slightly canadianized or different and the problem is, is that you exactly that. Yeah, I wanted to watch Snowpiercer because the Snowpiercer show shows up on Netflix. It's got Jennifer Connelly and it. it's 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 in my ballpark of I'm curious. I don't know that it's really the right show for me, but I watched a little bit of the trailer and then I realized there was a movie. I remember there was a movie, the buzz about the movie. I, I guess I had Chris Evans in it. Um, I went to look to see. I I hit up like. Then it dawned on me that I have way too many streaming services because I'm like, well, it's not on Netflix. Well, is it on Prime? Well, it's not on Prime. Well, is it on, you know, I'm going through everything and I'm like, holy shit, I can't, I can't find this movie. I looked it up on Google Play. I'm like, I'm not going to buy this. Maybe I'll rent it and watch it, see if I like it. And then it kind of showed up on my Crave TV app. So I downloaded the movie yesterday with the intent of watching it. It's just amazing. It's just absolutely mind-blowing how much work we have to do to just track down freaking content here in Canada because what the internet tells me where it is isn't where it is in Canada because we don't have these services or they have different content because there's different licensing rules. Yeah. I want to touch on one thing that you did bring up and that's the whole government mandating things. I know that some people are yelling at you right now saying, they'll <laughs> shut up. The government shouldn't get involved. You know, they want this anarchy. They don't want the government touching this stuff. And that's fair. That's fair. I get it. Yeah. And, and but I, you know, but I do agree that the government is super slow at taking a look at technology and the technolo technological ramifications of certain things that are out now. You know, Uber, for example, you know, Uber was a game changer, but governments and others, agencies just couldn't keep up with them. Yeah, it, like Uber, but you look at a lot of stuff, like how McDonald's gets away with exploiting children for years, just completely marketing at kids, everything like that, to just create this fanatical kids fan base of money, right? It was all about marketing and money because they didn't react to the marketing. They didn't understand what was going on. This is that same area being exposed. The, the government just doesn't understand what's being done in the space that may be affecting people, maybe making people poor. Maybe, I don't know. I, 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 I just think that there's a ramification there and it needs some oversight. I, I don't, I'm not a big fan of 
government coming in and controlling everything either. But I do think that they need to have rules and regulations, just like Facebook and anything else that you look at social media, you look at any of it. Hey, guess what? You have the right to remove yourself from social media. You have the right to, you know, uh, uh, not be subscribed to that service if you haven't accessed it in X months. Uh, that type of thing. And the onus is on the company to deactivate or to comply. And if they don't, there's repercussions. You know, I report it to somebody and I say, hey, I wanted to be removed from Facebook and I'm not. And then they go after Facebook for me as a, as a citizen. Well, I look, just think that there's value in that and it's being overlooked. I agree. Look how long it took governments to react to junk mail and mailing lists of, you know, for email oh, purposes. And, and the phones, you know, like well, all the scams and everything. That's like, a whole other issue. Yeah, I know, but it, it falls under that, yeah, that category, yeah, yeah. though, of just stuff gets away from people. You know, they're spoofing numbers and things like that. So you think you're getting a call from a company, and it's really a call center somewhere else, and they're just trying to get your credit card information or whatever it is. It's sickening, right? It, it's yeah. it's the government needs to, you know, this is the, the counterpoint. We think the government is overly controlling, and but they're so incompetent. It just shows that they're not, you know? That's it's, the issue. They are yeah. like just horribly incompetent. If governments around the world were to actually be a business, the CEOs would be removed. That's all I'm going to yeah. say. I don't want to get too deep into that. So no, we're gonna no, I know it's conspiracy theory yeah. and all that. I get it. It's just annoying as a consumer. And that's where I'm speaking. And I'm sure there's a lot of people who may disagree or agree with me, but there's just too many streaming services, man. Like, they need to consolidate some of this. Like the free market will do that. I get it. You know, eventually NBC are going to just say, you know, they're going to pull a fox and just say, fuck it. We're for sale. Mm -hmm. Somebody come buy us, you know, because I read through the Fox acquisition in Bob Iger's book and I found it was fascinating that, uh, uh, the owner of Fox, whatever his name was, uh, the guy who still owns the news, Rupert Murdoch. He, he, Rupert Murdoch. Yeah. He came to, he came to him and just said, look, I can't innovate fast enough. I can't keep the boat afloat at Fox because we fell asleep at the wheel and we see what you're doing at Disney. And that's where we want to like, I got to sell this shit. I got to get, get it off my books because it's all going to sink. If I keep on steering the ship, I don't, I don't want to be in the game anymore. If the, the game's changed. If companies weren't investing bi millions, billions into R and D every year, few years ago they're behind the game and they're not going to be able to to keep up um you know we're seeing our world or really there's going to be three winners apple disney at&t yeah pretty and much that's, that's the sad part of it all right phil yeah what do fantastic beasts the sequel little mermaid and batman have in common oh gosh Oh, you got me on that one. I just know in Little Mermaid, there's probably a penis drawn in there somewhere. <laughs> what, what is it that they have in common, my friend? <laughs> they can all start production again in the UK as the UK has signed a new uh, bill uh, so that they can start producing and filming uh movies tv shows what have you again so you know a part of this list like i mentioned the sequel to the the newest sequel to fantastic beast the little mermaid live action movie and the batman which is going to be controversial on so many levels yeah can all resume <laughs> shooting 
as the film industry in the UK can restart soon. So yeah, and I, I would imagine it's going to be soon here in Toronto too. Uh, uh, the you know Canada has Vancouver, all these great places that have license or the ability to to produce this kind of stuff. And Atlanta's already open. I know that it's going there. I know California's got to relax its laws about it, but the the companies are planning stuff, right? Like they're exactly like you mentioned those yeah. big three. But we're also looking at you know the resumption of some of the shows. Uh, some of the, as people aren't aware, some of the seasons got cut short due to the pandemic. They weren't able to finish, uh, uh, some, you know, three or four episodes in some cases, uh, due to the pandemic. And I guess they rushed endings onto certain television shows just to sew it up and leave it at a spot. Um, so I think, uh, yeah, it's good to see that little bit of normality. I know that there's going to be heavy regulations about the safety precautions, there within, but um, I'm excited to see production resume. I just don't know how we're going to consume it because I'm not going to go to a movie theater. <laughs> yeah, and and um, we're seeing more and more like that um, the new Dakota Johnson movie where she plays the producer. Like that one is going straight to on demand. We're seeing more film uh, companies put stuff on demand in their own streaming services, obviously. But you know that seems to be the way that all of this is going. But I only see one company getting upset out of all of this over the funniest movie of all time, Trolls. But, hey, whatever. Yeah. AMC, you go, go nuts, man. Love yeah. talking about you when you screw up like that. Yeah. But, you know, like, like it, it, it's changing this whole, this whole event worldwide as far as the pandemic has changed a lot of economic models. And I think that's for the benefit of the consumer. Um, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll gladly plop down... 25 bucks or whatever it is to to have a movie that I know is probably going to be 90% a home run for me uh, it, it viewed in my house on opening day versus spending $19 on a stupid ticket and you know another 25 on popcorn and some drink that'll make me take a piss in the middle of the movie that type of thing you know it doesn't really appeal to me I do enjoy the big screen I get it directors um, filmmakers want that experience but man oh man I'm telling you you know where I'm lucky enough to have a home theater that can rattle the windows, as I was telling Boris. And, um, yeah, I, I, I enjoy throwing it up on the screen and being able to adjust the lighting and all these things that we've talked about in previous podcasts. It's a controlled environment. And I, I you know, I definitely recommend to people go out and invest in your home theater and don't watch it on a tablet unless you're going to go to bed or whatever the situation is. I get it. Sometimes those screens are handy. But movies need to be watched in a movie format, and I encourage people to do that. It's it's a lot of fun. Yeah. Your home theater rattles the windows uh, because of its sound. I rattle the windows doing other stuff. <laughs> I won't ask. <laughs> I Space... guess it's nights after uh, beans, huh? <laughs> uh, or something. Uh, SpaceX. Did you watch the SpaceX NASA launch yesterday? I did. I I watched it on. I tried to watch it on Wednesday, and I yeah. saw it get scrubbed, obviously with about uh, sixteen minutes left on the pad, and then I got to be a professional announcer for my father, because all of that stuff was still in my head. All the little factoids about the launch and the fueling sequence, the timing, everything was somehow documented in my mind. So when I pulled up uh, the SpaceX channel. 
uh, sure enough, I know exactly what's happening. My dad's not even listening to them. He's like, well, when do they start fueling the second stage? <laughs> He's asking me. I'm like, I love it. well, that's a point of no return, man, because once you start doing that. So I thought it was great to see astronauts returning to space from America. Um, and I really am inspired. I, I think a couple years ago, I really didn't pay much attention to SpaceX for a long time. And then a couple years ago, when Elon Musk pushed that car out of his uh, cargo bay and put it in orbit with the don't panic, you know, reference to Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, the mannequin, and just everything about it, just it seemed unreal. Yeah. It seemed like I was watching a movie. And it, I just got chills. I was just like, this is what little me felt like when I watched the space shuttle go up and I, I saw all this history happening and the genuine excitement for space and science. And yesterday was a little bit of a touch of that. You know, I, I definitely teared up a little bit yeah. seeing stuff happening and, you know, uh, learning that the world is in fact round. Oh my lord! Uh, <laughs> I knew that would get you. <laughs> yeah, it did. It did. Little space and science is a hell of a thing for everyone, and overall, I think that that's something that the entire world needed—something you know, awesome like that to happen. But here's an interesting thing: I know some Gen Xers who didn't want to watch the space launch live. Because of their childhood mm. traumatic experience with the Challenger. So it's just, it's interesting seeing that some people are still, you know, live that through, you know, even though they were kids. You know, I, I, I remember that day because I was in, in public school and it was upsetting. Like, yeah. it, it really was upsetting. Yeah. Um, but at the same rate, I watched yesterday with a little bit of a NASCAR mentality. Because I was like, well, this thing blows up. Like, I, I knew that the astronauts have this new escape you know, mechanism and everything like that. And seeing how diligent SpaceX has been in testing that dragon capsule and whatnot. Um, I certainly didn't hope I wasn't pulling for a disaster, but there's a sick part of everyone that kind of tunes into it just to see, is that thing going to blow up? <laughs> you know, I yeah. hope those guys are okay. Good old uh, it's, it's life, right? It's, yep. it's why, a lot of people enjoy NASCAR or did enjoy NASCAR, um, you know, it's the crashes and stuff. So, and you know what? The, the funny thing is in the news cycle was Elon Musk and them were testing a rocket in Texas on Friday and they fueled it and then it exploded yeah. <laughs> unexpectedly. And I'm thinking those poor astronauts are sitting in that chair like, I hope, I hope it doesn't blow up. <laughs> yeah. Good old Bob and Doug. Yeah, Bob hey. and Doug, yeah. And on top of that, Bob and Doug McKenzie, take off, eh? Like, <laughs> they yeah. did. No, but that's the thing. Like, I, I feel like, as, as sick as that sounds, I feel like, you know, a lot of people tune in to watch that, and I feel that it's covered the way that it is partially because of that. But it's also, like, I'm not going to take away from how awesome it is to see that the momentous occasion that it was. The huge step forward for SpaceX and NASA. Um, and uh, good on Elon Musk's wallet. Apparently, Elon is, I think, more concerned about the return to Earth for yeah. them. Yeah. That's, uh, that's got his, uh, his the hair on the back of his neck kind of standing up. So I do hope that the complete mission is a success. 
and Bob and Doug get home and get reunited with their families. And yeah, I really applaud how, how strong they have to be in order to be the, the rocket testers. <laughs> it's just yeah, an incredible, uh, uh, speaks to incredible, uh, guile and willpower that they have. Yeah. So before we move on to our break, Phil, do you have an update on animal crossing? Yeah, I farmed. I, I really hit the shit out of some rocks and I fished the crap out of the sea. And, um, yeah, I put all the money in the bank because apparently my basement costs two and a half million bells. So I'm, you know, I set up the ultimate man cave down there. I'm going to give you like, you, I know you want the details, right? Oh yeah. Cause I got the little face mask in the animal crossing. So I'm, I'm being socially conscious of, of transmission digitally. And uh, I I just built a hell of a man cave, and I've got my little Nintendo Switch and my 55 inch LCD TV in there, and I am just rocking in the free world. Um, I do little things like I put little little tells in my game. I do have an entire room that's fixed with washrooms stuff, so like I have multiple toilets, multiple urinals, all that stuff, which because you know. And I, I hung a shirt in there that says number two. And uh, that in my bedroom, I have a little box of Kleenex next to it. And I set up a video camera. <laughs> Yesterday, they had a video camera for sale. So I'm like, what kind of sick, perverse things can I do in Animal Crossing? Yeah, that's, really you know, if anybody just... comes to visit my island, I haven't opened it up yet. But man, oh, man, don't go into the dungeon. <laughs> uh, uh, oh, man. I'm just going to start calling you Buffalo Bill. <laughs> oh man, it, it's it's such a grindy game that, and I enjoy it. I enjoy the fact that when it's sunny in the game, I do feel better as a person. Um, when it's rainy, it, it's not as enjoyable. Uh, but there's different bugs to catch, and I do genuinely enjoy the gameplay despite the fact that it is so grinding. Um, they made it. They made a good game, you know, and and it's perfectly timed with this pandemic. So good on Nintendo. I'm a fan. Um, it's just, it's just weird. You gotta, you gotta be yourself, right? I still haven't figured out how to do this customization stuff because I look at other people's islands, and they have Star Wars posters and TFC jerseys and all this stuff that I'm like, oh man, that is so cool. I want some of that. But every time I go into that customization tool, it just looks like I made blocks on my face. Right. So I don't know how that works <laughs> with a Joy-Con. I just don't know. It's funny because for those listeners, we use our webcams to like kind of get cues off of each other. So I can always see Phil. Phil can always see me. And as he's talking, I'm literally just like looking at my uh, my tablet as he's talking about Animal Crossing because I really could not give two shits about that game. Yeah, yeah. You know what? Different strokes for different folks. God love you. You watch reality TV. Yeah. Um. I, I, aside from Lego masters, I, I, I had to stop. I, I used to watch, uh, uh, the, the Trump one and I got so disgusted by him that I had to stop. I just yeah. didn't like him as a man. I, I, and anyhow, I just didn't like the exploitive nature of, yeah, of reality sure. TV oh, and I, I get it. It all does it, but it's entertainment. So, so if that's what you like, go for it. I'm so torn though. Cause it's like, part of me hates the fact, cause I know these people, all they are, are they real people put into these bullshit scripted situations 
Um, and but it's just so fun seeing people yell at each other. Yeah, it is. But I I don't know if you recall back in the day when we were involved in in our extracurricular activity of the soccer group, we were, I was approached, I think you were the president at the time and we managed it. We were approached by a company to do a reality show. They wanted to film like a tailgate of, of this thing where the concept was the chefs would be drunk or something. So we're sitting there talking to them and I'm just like, okay, so this is all supposed to take place in the day. I don't know that we can incorporate this during the day and a game and all that. And they're like, oh no, we film it over two days, but we cut it. So it looks like the same day. Yeah. And I'm like, okay. And I'm like, well, it doesn't really sound like a good idea to have drunk chefs cooking for people. Oh, well, they just pretend to be drunk. They're not actually drunk. And the more that they kept on telling us, the more I'm just like shaking my head, like, no, we're not doing this. Like, this is, this is deceptive. Yep. And, and, you know, just like Tyler had pointed out last week, I just don't know what they're doing to these people. You know, the horror stories behind the bachelor and the bachelorette and all the stuff about drinking and, and advances and all that. It's just creepy. And this is after our Sony experience. So we were already bitter about the whole situation of reality TV and even documentaries. Like we were so careful about what access we gave to these people because we don't get a say in the final cut. So, yeah, we, we had too many interviews. I know go sideways on us. And that was a great teacher because when you're not driving the content, you're unfortunately at the mercy of whoever is, and they don't always portray you in the best of light. You know, anybody who really needs a, a, gets a good insight into that. There's a flat earth movie on Netflix where I think they approached the flat earthers as if they were going to make a documentary about it. And it just ended up not being about it. It, 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 it mined on different societal cues and things like that, um, that they believe this kind of stuff and good on them. But it's just interesting because I don't think that, I think that they went in there completely believing that they were going to be exonerated and, and shown to be correct. And then it ended up the movie didn't. And I could actually kind of sympathize with them because they had no creative control. Yeah. That's the thing we, yeah. Anytime anything went sideways, it's when we kind of left it up to the powers that be to do their own thing. Even live interviews, I was very wary of, but I would prefer live interviews because, you know, if things went sideways, we could try to get them back as opposed to if something went sideways after the fact, after some good editing. So, you know, that's, 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 yeah, it's, it's the art of being a politician, right? It's like, they give you a skewed question. Like, uh, can you talk about the controversy of the misogyny at a match? And then you can say, well, it's unfortunate that people, people, uh, do that. But I know with our group, we don't condone it. We have rules against it. And we actually are, are doing this endeavor now in the community to support this charity, you know, Terry Fox foundation or whatever. And then you, reorient it because you're all you're live and you can completely send the conversation into a positive zone instead of i used to drive me nuts that we'd only get media requests when somebody was fired when the team was toast when the team was coming apart they only wanted the tragedy they never really called us too much to talk about season openings or success well there was no success 
there was no success in those days. But, you know, but yeah. we loved the team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it is passion, right? It's being a fan of anything, whether it be comic books, whatever. Exactly. It, movies, geek stuff, sports. Like I said, the X-Men all podcast, canon. it's the show about anything and everything. All things are open, and the best part of it all is that it is all in canon, as Phil just mentioned. And Phil, how about you tell our fantastic listeners how they can get a hold of us? You can find us on It's Canon Podcast, uh, basically, itscanonpodcast.com. You can find us on Twitter, It's Canon Podcast. You can find us on Instagram. You can find us on Facebook. And please, if you anywhere you get podcasts, we're there right like apple whatever it is but please subscribe please be sure to click the subscribe button and uh help us to make sure that you get our content on time exactly follow us follow us folks and when we come back we're going to be talking about all things artificial intelligence we are going to be getting a deep dive into a deep fakes uh ai we're going to be talking about it all. It's going to be fantastic. And the best part of it all is that it's all in canon. We'll be right back. Hey everybody, welcome back to the show, it's Canon Podcast, and uh, I'm your host, uh, well, co-host Phil, and I have Boris with me. I just want to give a quick shout out, because I know Tyler wanted to be a part of this conversation, he's under the weather this week, so I hope for him to have a speedy recovery. Uh, everybody wish him well, and uh, I'm sure he'll be back with us soon. Um, but today we want to talk about a, a topic, I guess, that is a little bit controversial, um, potentially. I don't know, it depends on which part of the industry you might be employed in uh it's exciting but i guess one of the first times that i experienced this topic and i know boris and i have talked about this in the past was probably in terminator 2 or terminator the whole idea of skynet you know this ai kind of presence that was you know basically bulldozing mankind and you know we saw movies like the matrix and whatnot where you know we're a virus and that type of thing. I, I think that all that stuff is kind of like this um it's kind of doomsday-ish talk that that gets everyone discussing it, but the reality is here. AI is happening, right? These computers are getting smarter and smarter. When we look at Google and what it's doing <clears throat> just in the gaming industry, you know, like they, they taught an AI to basically outperform humans in one of the most complicated games of called Go. There's, there's some fantastic documentary evidence about that and just how these things are rapidly learning exponentially. Like, it's hard to understand or comprehend how quickly this industry is evolving. And like we had talked about previously in the podcast about government regulation, there is no regulation. There, there, largely everybody who monitors this stuff is asleep at the switch. And it's getting to the point where this is where it really kicked off for me. Seeing that we have things like influencers, we call them, right? Social media influencers. And these are people who put together Instagram profiles or whatever the medium of social media that they choose to, to be a part of. 
And they work at getting a lot of followers and setting examples and getting sponsorships and then starting to tell us how to consume as people. Either we identify with them or not. But there's now a new type of influencer, and this is where I'm going to start off the conversation. There's virtual influencers. And it's kind of loosely in the AI territory. It's maybe a little more boardroom controlled, but I think it's subversive in nature in the sense that we're being manipulated by, I think there's a Spotify person called Michaela. She's got music out. Um, she signed a deal with Calvin Klein and she doesn't exist. She's the perfect pretty person who doesn't exist. She's a boardroom concoction and they're putting content out and fooling kids. Like I, I, I'd hope that people do the research. But Boris, how do you feel about this? I, I, have you looked at it? Yeah. So it's crazy. This this is absolutely insane. Like to me, that all of this is happening. But none of it really surprises me. And it's just crazy how sci-fi touched on so many of this. This exact thing, having virtual singers. You know, this was a huge part of Macross Plus with Sharon Apple and whatnot. So you know. Taking it back to, hey, you know, back in 19, the early 1990s, we were predicting that this would happen and here we are. And it's the funny part about this is that back then we would always say this will never happen. This is impossible. You know, we won't let this happen. And here we are where things like this are actually happening. We are being entertained. We are being influenced and manipulated by things that don't necessarily exist. So, I don't know, it's it's scary. It's really scary that, you know, that they, they being the powers that be, the powers that control this, um, know humans so well that they've been able to identify how to kind of trigger what we, um, you know, how to get a reaction out of us. And they've been able to kind of use that and, you know, get us, lure us in, kind of like Medusa, you know, like, uh, or a siren. Um, and, and here we are, you know, and... It's worse. So they're luring our wallets. Yeah. That's, that's, you know, like these, these corporate entities are, are buying this stuff up and they're, they're promoting it in such a way to just get us to buy, you know, the daily juice box or whatever it is that they're selling, right? The Calvin Klein underwear, whatever it is. But I don't know. It, it's just worrisome. And, you know, I look at it and I, I look at the deep fakes, right? Like it started out with porn. You know, you could watch a, a weird bobbly-headed porno of whoever. It wasn't real. And it was pretty easy to tell that shit was up. Now we're getting to the point, you know, just down that road here, the deepfakes are getting better and better. The machines are learning. You know, they're, they're going back and, and the programmers are learning. And, they're, and they're, they're making some extremely compelling videos that are not real. You know, advertisements but it could be propaganda. It could be anything. Like, how do we fact check this? Like, we have to start worrying as a society, in my opinion. It's cool to think about the technology, just like you said, you know, like, hey, this is sci-fi, man. This is the future. Uh, you can't stop. You can't stop it. But at the same rate, man, it's just completely off the hook as far as how real this stuff is, how you can rewrite history. Well, you know, for example, with the deepfakes, the you know media companies and advertising companies in the past have created these political deepfakes just to show you what is possible. But 
people are actually using this now and and this is a tactic that people um and and shadowy figures are are literally doing and putting that out there and there is absolutely no way of us recognizing whether something is real or not um even when you take a look at you know what uh disney and and these companies can do with with kind of using younger models of actors from previous footage and making it seem like they literally just acted out like uh princess leia in um rogue one rogue one you know um you know the impressive one out of out of rogue one just tarkin i couldn't tell yeah i couldn't tell he was fake and i knew he was fake i wanted to find out you know his eye wonky his voice wrong whatever leia i could tell yeah leia made me feel weird like i was just like that's not her you know i i appreciate what they tried to do yeah. but it was obviously i wasn't buying it uh on the realistic thing but yeah it's crazy yeah, no, go it's, on, yeah no that's exactly it like it's it's to me it's just absolutely insane that we've gone to the point where if you're watching something you anything you honestly have to question whether this is real or not um, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's beyond unreal. It's beyond fathomable to me that all of this is actually happening. Um, and, and this is why, you know, the whole government and government regulation stuff just tears me up because they're so slow at, at, at implementing anything. You know, it is more than the wild west when we take deep fakes and, and all this stuff into consideration, um, how are we supposed to stop, you know, there's fake news of the fake news of the fake news now. And I'm not talking about, you know, what some people call fake news. Just because you don't agree with the news doesn't make it fake news, you know. So, mm-hmm. but I'm talking about legitimate 100% fake news. Yeah, manipulation points, right? Yeah. Like, things that are being done to make you change your beliefs, with that sole intention and, and you're being manipulated into believing that this actually happened when in reality it never did, but we can't tell. And, you know, it makes me think of back in the, I guess the nineties and the early two thousands, we were also worried about, remember genetic cloning and genetic manipulation and stuff like that. There was a movie called Gattaca, which was great. I enjoyed that. Um, it was all about these these gene splicing and everything like that. And I don't know. Today, I don't seem, seem to think I'm too worried about it. You know, like you saw the government step up and say, hang on, don't cross species. And um, clones are illegal in this. You saw a lot of newspaper articles or, or television news that said that the government was acting and that we don't have to worry about this manipulation. However, with AI... I see some influencers standing up and going, I'm fucking scared. You know what I mean? Like Elon Musk and people like that going, this shit is crazy. What what we're able to do to people with it. Yeah, no, it's absolutely crazy. And, and the fact that here's here's my theory. And, and, and I, you know, I don't think it's a conspiracy theory per se. But I think that like with gene splicing, um, stem cell research, things like that. You know, the government didn't have a win in it. But with deep bakes and you know actual fake news and influencers and fake influencers and bots and that can you know tweet out for you and things like that there's an obvious win for political gain using all of these tactics so you know they might 
that's why I think we're seeing this um, progression uh, in terms of legislation, in terms of and 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 all that fun and all that fun stuff uh, taking so long because you know political parties, political pe- people with political agendas, lobbyists and whatnot, you know they are able to get something out of all of this. So why do they want to stop it? Yep, it's true, man. It's true. And then you look at industries as well. Grimes, for example, she came out a year ago and said, pretty soon AI is going to be making better music than people can make. And the whole industry shat on her. Like they just were like, oh my gosh, artists and mistakes belong in music. That gives it to soul. She wasn't making a point about it not being there. You know, I think artists are always going to have an avenue. But I just felt like she hit a really touchy point with some people who are paying attention in the, in the artist industry about the prevalence and the influence that this stuff has. And it's going to know people better than artists do, the better than the creators do. It's, you know, even, even Microsoft, I think, just announced that it's laying off a bunch of people because it's replacing them with AI. It's replacing the news feed, the people who would be the editors to put your news onto your web page it's now being done by AI. They they know you better than the people. Well, take a look at all the algorithms like um, iTunes, you know, t- taking your music list and finding via the algorithm how, you know, what type of music you like. It will it will tell you what song I think you would like to listen to next. You know, if we take a look at that basic um, concept and making that larger, if you feed a supercomputer thousands and thousands and thousands of hours of popular music, music that have been, you know, in the top of the Billboard charts um, over the decades, I bet you that a computer that can learn will tell you what and how to create a song that people will like. So this isn't a hugely crazy concept for me, of uh, the fact that we can get, um, you know, a, a, a top song created by AI. Um, you know, going back to the iTunes example, um, you know, when you open up Apple News or you open up even Facebook, we, a, a human isn't the person or isn't the thing that's telling you what's important to consume. It's all algorithms and AI. AI is telling us what news is most important at the top of Apple News. AI is telling us what's important from your Twitter feed. AI is telling you what's important on your Facebook news feed. We're all we're all being manipulated by AI every day and we don't actually know it. You know, it's not a human doing this. The human portion of things is being taken away, you know, from the actual consumption of all of this content. Then when you want to take a look at the moderation side of things, you know, we've heard those horror stories of the Facebook moderators that have gone insane over the stuff that they've been able to catch and, you know, delete and, you know, the PTSD that they have. So year over year over year over year, we've been seeing the AI efforts, uh, you know, and a lot of R&D money going into AI so that a computer can catch things before or as fast as they humanly can or even faster than a human. Um However, what we're seeing right now is that the AI, you know, isn't necessarily the best. I've seen a lot of anger with people with their posts on Facebook being flagged because, you know, it's not correct information. We saw a lot of people 
uh, people's posts about COVID-19 being flagged about misinformation just because they tagged the word COVID-19 or they tagged it with something that would put it into the, you know, the, the, the no-go list. So, you know, it's, it's, these are the things that we have to consider. So now an AI is telling us what's good and what's not good for us to consume. AI is then telling us how and what order we're going to consume it and how important the thing is for us. Because let's be honest, you know, if we take the old days of the news, your top story that they led with, that's the most important news of the day. But now AI is telling us what that news is when we consume something via the internet. Oh, yeah. Like, just look at, you know, branch that out, Netflix. It's just hilarious to me because I know I have my account. Uh, um, my father has, has his account or his his login. I go and I look at his feed and holy crap, it's way different than my feed. Like, it, it is, you know, a, yeah. it's like it's like a whole different product. Yeah. I'm that's... just like, wow, is it ever curtailed to us? And we don't even know it because we just log in and we find what we want to what we want to watch and it's just amazing to see how prevalent it is and now it's invading workspaces you know like we're talking about people are is our job going to be just building the machines or 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 doing backups and and you know just minding them because people's livelihoods are disappearing now and i'm i'm a firm believer as well in the idea that just because it goes away somewhere doesn't mean that there's not another industry that crops up like you know the people who who sold horses must have been insanely pissed when the car came along you know what i mean and and you're not gonna not adopt the technology you know the cars are gonna be everywhere you know and and all that it's done for manufacturing and the production lines and and everything like that it's influenced society and i think that this is another pivotal spot in our history as as mankind where there's something coming in and it's going to be really disruptive and it's, it's, it's kind of got this baked in undertone of scary. You know, I, I you know, you look at shows again, I, I bring it up a lot, but ghost in the shell, things like that. Like we talked about last week with transhumanism and, and, and people digitizing themselves. It all kind of relates to this, this bigger meta discussion and all the information that companies have on us, and like we're talking the metadata, so they know that you looked at X song or you watched Taylor Swift on Disney Plus, or you know, like all that stuff happens, and it's even to a point. Not to creep anyone out, but I know I was playing on uh, a PlayStation one night with my friends, and I noticed that there was this you know button there that said, "Well, you can transcribe your chat." So you needed a phone app for it. I downloaded the app. I logged in. And then everything that my friends were saying and everything that I was saying was coming through to me on my phone screen instantaneously as text. And I, we started thinking just amongst us, you know, we're talking geeks here. We were like, well, I wonder if they're mining it for, for advertising. So we started talking about Huggies diapers, you know, something that we knew. None of us were dealing with in our lives. You know, the kids are either old enough now that they're out of those things or we don't have them. So we just wanted to see if Huggies diapers were going to show up in our feeds at any point in time. And luckily it didn't. So testament and shout out to Sony that they, that they actually used it as a service to enhance the gaming. But it's pretty crazy to think of the computational power 
everything about just taking our analog voices and putting that into a digital format that's stored somewhere and it's retrievable. You know, they're going to hear all my fart jokes. Yep. And that's, that's exactly it right there. Like, you know, it's interesting to hear that they didn't flag, not flag, but like you didn't get more advertisement about, um, you know, pampers and all that fun stuff. But here's the thing though, you know, all of this information goes into the cloud. What's the cloud? You know, tell me where the cloud is. The cloud, you know, it's, it's, we can go on for hours and hours to talk about the cloud, but the, you know, anything that you post, anything that you say, anything that you do, any, um, online footprint that you leave is being traced somewhere somehow. And it's almost impossible to get completely out of the grid at this point. Um, and it's all being stored in the cloud and, you know, it's all being mined, uh, and then there's good mining and bad mining. Good mining could be for like advertisements and whatnot. Bad mining is, hey, we want to find out if people are up to a revolution right now, and you know we're gonna squash it before we we it can get any further. And that's where the good metrics versus bad metrics conversation. And I don't actually mean metrics, but I meant you know mean my story about good metrics versus bad metrics. And this is an idea of bad metrics. Bad stuff can happen out of good intentions um you know something that was going to be used for marketing reasons then can be used for finding out like i said whether a revolution is going to happen it can be squashed and you know people can easily start disappearing at night and we don't know like that's the thing but because of all the information everything that you do everything that you say is being stored on the cloud somewhere it's retrievable by someone it's being it can be crawled by any machine by any um, source machine and it can be manipulated in such a way that you know even phil you and i there's probably enough hours of you and i speaking via news via podcasts via even this show that someone can create a hell of a great deep fake of us at this point because of all the information that's in the cloud Oh yeah, I, I think uh, a few uh, within the past year they released some information that basically said they needed like three good pictures or something like that, and and um, just a minuscule amount of audio, yeah. and they could convincingly generate a deep fake of that person, you know. And they they used for the example, I believe they went back. This is just off the top of my head, so I apologize for not sourcing it. Um, but they went back and they took historical figures that basically we had like just seconds of live footage and whatnot of them. And they were able to put together a pretty convincing video uh, of them, you know, talking about the wheels on your sports car or whatever yeah. it is. Like, oh, how did he know back then? Oh, my gosh. You know, it, it's it's a scary, scary technology. But. At the same rate, you know, about the cloud that you brought up and whatnot and all the metadata that's tracked on us, there's that pervasive counter argument to that, that there's just too much of it. Who, who cares about my information? But you brought up a really good point about stuff crawling it. And that's where this technology is really telling, is that it can go in on someone's command or someone's architecture and seek out certain things. And pull from that, all that data and create that bad data, right? And create maybe a little too much information on whatever it is that, that you had done or, or, you know, enjoyed or whatever. And then they can start marketing to that or, or manipulating you on those fronts. It, 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 it really is scary about, you know, 
I'll, I'll tell you another story. I was in Walmart. This was pre-COVID. In Walmart, and they have these self-checkout lanes. And there's a camera that I'm being watched on. You know, they show me the video, which is great, because they're like, you're being watched, and here's the little five-inch LCD screen showing you what we see. But if you start to extrapolate that and go, well, my payment option is being put in here and matched to this video transaction. So now they know what I look like. They know my credit card or my payment information. Where is that stored? How long is it stored for? Who has access to it? Um, you know, like these files, these digital files and these fingerprints, who's ultimately responsible for it? Because you can't, you know, Walmart could hold that forever. Or maybe they give it to another company that says, well, there's no conditions on it. Let's exploit this guy now. You know, like let's exploit this base. It's scary. And people need to think about the ramifications. Like the technology is being presented to us in such a way that we just think it's cool because technology is cool. And it is. But you got to start thinking about how this gets used by people. Yep. And that's the stuff that scares me the most. Yeah. And the thing on top of it all is remember the good old days of when we had a terms of service to opt into using something. Where is that yeah. with all this new technology? There's no terms of service that you and I are physically reading. It's the fact that we are using the technology. They've been able to say, because Phil and Boris are using certain technology, Phil and Boris agree to the use and any uses of said technology and said information that it's storing. There's no opt-in. The only opt-out yeah. is not using the technology. But there's nothing, like, there's no contract between Boris and Facebook and the other companies that Facebook uses to manipulate the technology, you know, and then... It's just, it's absolutely crazy because like, why isn't the government helping us out here? Um, you know, meanwhile, you know, it's, uh, yeah, it's just absolutely crazy. But okay, I'm just going to say it. Meanwhile, you know, Trump gets flagged for misinformation and he completely tears up, you know, some, some articles that were important for social media and whatnot. And, and, and it's the irony there is that now social media will probably go out of their way to close accounts if they're going to be held liable to um, certain uh, lawsuits, they're going to now close accounts a lot quicker than they were before. But, you know, I don't want to get too deep in there. Yeah, but, who knows? Like that rabbit hole is, is forming right now. And, you know, it, we're not going to know until it starts to happen. But to your point, there's no opt-in. You're correct. You know, like my opt-in is the fact that I can wait at Walmart in line for 25 minutes to, you know, behind people who have shopping cart full of stuff that they need to buy. Or I can go to the self checkout and be done in like 30 seconds. And that's my opt in is I, I went to the, the self checkout and Hey, I'm on camera now. Yeah. Well, where's that video? You're, you're, Where, you're, where's that information? Like it's obviously tied to a transaction now. Exactly. Your oh, opt in like, was literally waiting in line and using the technology. And, yep. me, that's and it's the scary. same with Facebook and Cambridge, uh, Cambridge Analytics and everything like that. It's not really that I don't trust Walmart. It's what does Walmart do with this data and where does it reside and who has ownership of it? Because if they're just allowing other companies to exploit it and build profiles and and whatever and for nefarious reasons or, or good ones, I, I never got an opt-in. Hmm. I never got an agreement to it. I never... I. 
you know, and I, God forbid, if I actually asked somebody who was employed there, not, not saying anything about people who work at Walmart, but these questions are pretty hefty on a, on a business side. I'm curious to know, you know, like what are their policies regarding that video? What are their policies regarding that transaction? Yeah, exactly. Like we even look, look at, um, a company like square, uh, any company that uses square, has your information already embedded into their systems? Um, I use Square on a for for personal reasons, uh, but then you know you do one transaction on a Square machine. You go to a store, could be in a different country that uses Square. They will have your email already stored. There's a profile of Boris Roberto Aguilar or of Phil Tobin. You know, there's it's it's absolutely crazy and it's scary and it's again it's not so much that. I'm afraid of what Square is doing with the information. It's where that information is actually ending up in the cloud and what's crawling it and how what what they're creating. Like, are there dossiers of us? And I know that this sounds a little too conspiracy theory for people, but these are the things. Like, if you're not actually thinking about, you know, what's happening end to end of with our information, then, you know, if you're kind of blindly just living through in, in this world where ignorance is bliss. Um, and as I would love to live like that, but the issue is that there's so many examples now in history where people aren't necessarily what they seem and, and there are agents of destruction out there. Um, and, and by that, I just simply mean that people will use that information for bad. Yeah. Well, just look at, you know, the track record of a lot of major companies, you know, target, uh, I think home Depot had breaches. Yeah. Um, you know, you can, you can look at, uh, uh, there's just a litany of mishandled data yep. in our history. And I, I think the most recent one in Canada was Life Labs, which does basically all of your all of your uh, blood samples and whatnot got hacked. Yeah. And uh, personal information lost. And I thought, well, at least I don't have my credit card number, right? But no, but they have my health card number. They have personal information that is valuable to somebody. You know, and it's, it's really unsettling to think. Now, to, to that point, there are a lot of really great, socially conscious companies that probably don't get the credit that they deserve. But I know, you know, from my own experience that I've seen companies handle personal data very seriously and, and are very concerned about where it resides and, and whatnot. But mostly that's motivated by government regulation. I hate to say that, yeah. but it's because that industry is regulated to a point where they say, if you're in violation of this, there's going to be a large penalty. I would assume, and I hope that Walmart and whatnot has those same things. It'd just be nice to have that information available if somebody asked for it. Um, maybe next time, you know, when all this passes over a little bit, I do ask that question and I'll see what answer I get. You know, it might be a, a fun little experiment. I think you brought up a great point in the sense that it's not so much that, to, that our information is out there. Like I said, some people use it for bad. But it's out there in the cloud somewhere. It's on a server that someone can hack. What's the like? I don't know what these companies are doing to actually protect our information. You know, so th there are people, and going back to the whole agents of destruction thing, there are people who want this information for not so good stuff. So they will hack into the servers that contain, you know, your Square and purchasing information, your credit card information, uh, Life Labs. Why would anyone want to hack that? I can give you a thousand and one reasons why someone would. For a lot of people, yeah, it is fun and games just to see if they can do it. But there are 
times where there is a purpose to it. Um, you yeah. Know, so it's what are these companies doing to keep our information safe? That's the part that I'm more afraid of than anything else. You know, not every corporation is an evil corporation. I'm, nope. And I'm pausing, but, <laughs> but you know, not every, <laughs> not every corporation is an evil corporation in the sense that you know they're not going to they're not around for absolute destruction of the civilization and the earth. But you know, they I we need to better understand how they're how they're handling things, and I just find that there's such a black box. Even public companies don't answer these questions that we ask them. How can a public company not give us details on how they are keeping our information secure? And I'm not asking for the technical, you know, I, I just need basic point form, everyday facts and points on how they are keeping my info safe and they can't even do that. And, and the government isn't helping us as a consumer, as the holders of our information, how they can help us make sure that these companies are keeping us safe. Yep, but now, here you go, buddy. Think about this. We're thinking about this in an analog way. What happens when AI's in there doing the hacking? What happens when there's a machine without the morality, under the control or supervision of somebody who does have that ill intention, hacking that stuff even more efficiently than a person, than a bot, than, you know what I mean, like the, the traditional ways. We're talking about machine learning and, and things like that, and these things are going to know how to exploit themselves and exponentially get better you know on one side you want the machines to keep on the, the machine learning to keep going because you need to have that safety but on the other side there's a whole ex exploitation loop that you've brought up that i'm just like the world is poised to be in a really crazy technological space right now well that's automation and ai are just crazy and I think you bring up a great point, you know, at some point, AI will do the nefarious acts for others. But on the counterpoint, AI will also do the securing for us. At some point, there is going to be some cyber war happening that we don't even know about. And it's just based Boris, off of AI. And that Boris, is... Are we, are we batteries? Are, are, are we asleep in the pod? I'm just batteries <laughs> for the machine. It sure feels like it at this point. It really it's does it's like kind it. of creepy, you know, like that was, what was that? That, that movie was 21 years ago or 20 years ago. 21, yeah. Yeah. And, um, yeah, it's, it, it's, it's probably a, a good pop culture touch point for that because it asks those metaphysical questions. Those, those really profound things that we should be, maybe, you know, we enjoy the action or the shooting, but it's asking some pretty tough stuff. Yeah. And that's what I like about a lot of the stuff, just to circle it back to, to you know, the topic of our show is, you know, uh, the nerds and the geeky stuff, but, you know, Ghost in the Shell, all these things ask really tough questions like we talked about last week, too, in the transhumanism part. They do ask some really qu good questions about what it means to be human, right? Like, what is it that quantifies us as people? Is, you know, where's our soul? That type of thing. And and does that soul translate digitally? Yeah. You know, and, and, and now we're talking about rogue AIs or, you know, things like that. And it's like, well, you know, it, it's painless to be bad at some point for, for bad people to be bad if they get machines to do the bad stuff for them. 
But that's the thing. I think that the, some of the issue right now is that, you know, ignorance is bliss for a lot of people. And, you know, there's so much material out there in the sci-fi world that brought up a lot of these questions already. Um, and I'm not just talking about the consumption of, like, you know, the Terminator or anything like that. I'm talking about, like, uh, scientific papers that ask these questions. Um, but, you know, a lot of people just don't want to, you know, get the bigger picture. They don't want to expand in, in, into that world anymore because they think it's stupid. They think it's dumb. They don't think it'll ever happen. They, you know, they live in this in this really weird world that everything is fine. Um, but the, the truth of the matter is, is that we have to start thinking, I hate saying this, but we have to start thinking outside of the box a little more because, you know, we're at a point now where the world is moving so fast. We're consuming so much more content at once to the point where, number one, our brains are just like frying. Number two, uh, you know, there's just so much out there and so much misinformation, disinformation, misinformation um, that we need a better way for us as humans to even parse all of this information and then we have the whole government approach of how can the government help us or not help us in this case um to kind of make sure that things are going in the right direction and at is some point too much for technology will will we say okay that's it we're good as a society we're good we're done you know this is how we're leaving things <laughs> you know like yeah you know I, I think a lot of people are, I think I saw a poll this week somewhere on Twitter or whatnot, and uh, people were asking, uh, free isn't good enough anymore. Google, the model that Google has isn't good enough anymore. They, they're actually valuing their personal information yeah. and exchanging it for free services like uh, uh, the things that Google provides is just not good enough. And I think a lot of the Apple users you know, obviously, are, are there's a good portion of them. Not only are their products popular, but they also promise to have a little more privacy, yeah. right? And be a little more respectful with your sure. data. And I think that that's a, a great angle for them to take up. I sure do hope that it's true. I have no reason to doubt that it isn't. But, you know, I got to be skeptical at some point. I know a tech company that was all into security. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We, we've all been there. Yeah. We've all been there. So... I don't know. It, it's just food for thought, people. You know, like Boris and I had a lot of fun talking about this. I, I think there's some good points. I think it touches a lot of our sci-fi roots and, and fantasy and, and stuff like that more in the sci-fi world. But I, I really, I want to thank Boris for uh, letting me fly this segment. Yeah. I appreciate it. Of course. And uh, Boris, where can people find us? They can find us on any podcasting platform that is out there they can find us on spotify they can find us on google play podcasts they can find us on stitcher they can find us on apple obviously you can find us literally anywhere you can play a podcast you can even sign up to subscribe to our rss feed uh you can find our rss feed at on our website at the it's canonpodcast.com or it's canonpodcast.com our website is it's canonpodcast.com. Um, and then, you know, you can also, f you should follow all of our social feeds. Um, all, most of them are at It's Canon Podcast. Uh, you can find us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Um, and, you know, we're going to start adding a little more content into that. So one of the things that I wanted to announce this week was 
every week we talk about one subject and when we record we typically don't know what we're going to talk about in the next episode we don't even start thinking about the next episode until the previous episode is done um sometimes like we have ideas and if something is going to be released we might know that hey on this week we're going to talk about something but typically we don't know week to week what we're going to talk about so that's why starting this week uh midweek we're going to probably do it let's do it let's say wednesday if that works for you, Phil, Wednesday, every Wednesday, yeah. we're going to go on Instagram live for a couple minutes and we're going to announce and give people a sneak peek as to what the following episode is going to be about. Um, so every Wednesday, we're going to, you know, it might be a live so that we can get, you know, live feedback in one hour, just might be a video. But every week on Wednesday, we're going to announce what the next episode is going to be about so that, you know, you can come in with us, ask us questions. Um, I know it's hard not asking us questions when you don't know exactly what we're going to be talking about. So I kind of want to do get get ahead of the curve and make sure that people know what we're going to be chatting about every week. Uh, because every week we will chat about something different here on the It's Canon Podcast.com or the It's Canon Podcast, and you can find us at It's Canon Podcast.com. Uh, so, Phil, um, what do you have going on this week? What's 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 the buzz? Uh, you know what? Uh, every week seems to be a roller coaster in the media, so I don't make any plans as far as that goes, but um, you know what? I'll probably catch up on some shows. I, I've, I've been neglectful. Of some of the stuff I need to rewatch, Ghost in the Shell 2045 on Netflix. It's it's difficult because it's subtitled, so I end up reading it, and then I kind of miss out on some of the visual visuals because yep. I, I'm tracking the story. So I kind of want to drink that in a little bit and see what's going on, and uh, probably some reading and whatnot. Um, you know, in my spare time, and you know what, I'm trying to you know do this, and I'm sure a lot of people can relate. I have way too many video games, and I'm trying to go back in my catalog. Uh, Boris talking about the Fallen Jedi, Fallen Order. Um, I I went back and played that, and I finished it. So yeah. I'm starting to revisit titles that maybe I, I walked away from in the middle of, yeah. and I'm trying to basically clear off a game uh, as, as completely as I can until I feel I'm completely satisfied to just remove it from the hard drive or... You know, that type of thing. I, I guess I'm getting really excited as well for Last of Us 2. Yep. Um, looks like a lot of fun. How yeah. about you? This week... Do I have any plans? Yeah, so this week I'm going to continue catching up on some shows. Uh, this past week I watched and finished Defending Jacob on Apple TV+. Plus. Awesome, awesome um, show. It's a limited series, beginning middle and and it's over so that was really cool um i've been watching and trying to catch up on a few other netflix shows that it, it's i just you know haven't been able to finish um i started uh space force uh yeah me bit too of a struggle but i'm gonna get through it We're, you know we can talk yeah. about that next week during the news section um and then in terms of video games i'm i i just haven't had the time to really play uh video games again mainly because i'm not at home so i don't have that privacy and you know i, I don't want to take over the tv and and play video games and have people stare at me while i play video games uh but i'm still playing death stranding uh animal crossing. Can, animal crossing no i'm not gonna touch animal <laughs> crossing with a 10-foot pole so that's yeah that's not gonna happen but yeah a lot uh of catching up and then obviously you know i'm i even comic books i'm gonna try to read some comic books this week um, and then try to not uh, go nuts. 
So I think that's everything for this week. Phil, yeah, everybody so- happy quarantining. Yeah, happy you know? quarantining. Phil, thank you so much for you know chatting about AI, and I know that we went all over the place at times, but AI is such a... You know, it's it's hard, and and really, it touches so many facets of of technology and society now. It's not AI isn't just a computer that can play chess or beat you at Jeopardy. It's more than just that, and how they're using AI really has expanded over the years. And you know, this conversation kind of highlighted some of those, and we kind of want to get your feedback on what you think. Um, so thank you, Phil, uh, Tyler. You better get better. Um, and as always. This is the It's Canon Podcast, a podcast where we talk about all things, everything. And Phil, do you know what the best part of it is? It's all in canon. Boom. Goodbye, everyone.